Hi, my name is Molly Schulte Tucker, and I have the privilege of pastoring the good people of Ridgewood Baptist Church in Louisville, Kentucky. During the summer of 2022, we are exploring areas of justice, including celebrating Pride Sunday, Juneteenth, talking about patriotism and Christian nationalism, childhood hunger, global warming, and violence. this summer talking about justice. Our summer justice series, and I could go way back to the beginning of June and walk us all the way forward. I won't do that today because I think I did that last week or the week before. But I'm, I'm wondering if today we could think about the concept of justice as a race. Maybe a race, if, if you are athletically inclined, something like the mini marathon here in Louisville. Or if you're crazy, something like the full marathon here in Louisville. Rosalind, I've got a photo if you could put it on the screen. I want you to imagine yourself in a race when we talk about justice. And you may have heard me use this analogy before, and I will probably use it again. But if, if you were to go out and run a mile right now, I'm going to switch to this microphone. If you were to go out and run a mile right now, how fast do you think you could run it? <laughs> Twenty-seven minutes. How, how anyone could hit? Maybe some people in here. You know who you are. You could hit. You could hit seven, eight minutes. Rosalind, what could you hit for us? Twelve minutes. That's a great pace. Couple days. <laughs> we all by choice or uh, blessing, have different levels of athleticism. Amen? Yeah. So I want you to maybe think of our pursuit of justice in that same way. Maybe your starting point is a 27-minute mile. You know you've got room for improvement. But I'm not asking you to get out and run a five-minute mile. I'm just asking you to run a little faster, to train to run a little bit quicker. Or maybe you could think of it like weight training if you're not a cardio person. Maybe you could go home and bench press 50 pounds today. I'm just asking that you work towards 55 pounds. Maybe today you could lift three pounds. 
I'm just asking that you consider five pounds. You get what I mean? We all have different starting points. But with the idea of justice, it's that no matter where we begin, no matter where our thoughts are right at this moment, we have a collective desire to improve. We have a collective desire to want to do better, to want to be better. Because when Christ told us that the the two most highest commands were to love God and to love people, we know that love is not a checkbox. (laughs) And if you were into DC talk in the 1990s, you know that love is a verb. I don't care what you say. I don't care what you heard. The word love, love, love. I'm the only one who knows that song in here. Great. Okay. (laughs) We also know that for God so loved the world that God sent his son to be in relationship with us. So in following the example of Christ, in order to love others, in order to understand others and be in relationship with others, we, we build relationship by conversation, by learning, by living with, by empathizing with, by sharing life together, by sharing bread together even. But part of being in a relationship is also sharing a sense of humility, of being able to say, I don't know. Maybe I don't know all there is to know about your life situation. Maybe I don't know a different way than I've lived my life. Maybe I don't know a different way that the church is supposed to function, that the government is supposed to function. Maybe I don't see the ways that what I do hurts you. So today we're coming to the story of Deborah, one of the heroes of the Old Testament. And Pat, I appreciate your reading with the sass. Thank you. But first, I have good and bad news for you. Good, good and bad news. You are part of Living History Ridgewood. You may not know that. But this year, um, there was a, a report that's called the State of Women in Baptist Life. It comes out about every five years. It began in 2005. It was released about a month ago, um, about a, a week and a half before the overturning of Roe v. Wade, just to add some irony to it. Um, And I say this is good news and this is bad news. Um, Because I'm going to actually start, it's released in two parts. I'm going to start with part two and just give you a little bit of information This report is commissioned by a group called the Baptist Women in Ministry. It is a research-based project, um, so they look at statistics. We're going to look at statistics first, but they also talk to Baptist women in ministry about their experiences. So there's also a narrative side that we'll get to in a little bit. So statistically, uh, some good things are happening. And I know that some of these numbers may be small on your screen. I'm I'm going to um, read them out to you, too. Uh, between the years of 2016 and 2021, 
They tracked the number of female ordinations in the Baptist church. Between 2011 and 2015, to go back, there were 46, they believe, um, or that they knew of. Between 2016 and 2021, there were 48. So a few more, but also keep in mind, this factors in 2020 COVID that probably delayed or upset some ordination services. So we'd like to think this is a positive trajectory right? Next, our total female pastors or co-pastors by state. I don't have Kentucky listed here, but I will tell you in 2015, Kentucky had six women as lead pastors or co-pastors. In 2021, Kentucky had 10. And I want to point that out, Ridgewood, you're one of those, all right? Good job. Yay, Ridgewood. (laughs) Yes. But hold on, but hold on. The total number of female pastors, and this is not just CBF life. We'll, we'll, we'll get it down a little bit to CBF in a second. This is um, all Baptist denominations that affirm women in leadership. So um, some are primarily white, some are primarily black congregations, but total of pastors and co-pastors in 2015, there were 174 throughout the country. In 2021, there were 272. Now, I'm going to take you to CBF, which is one of the denominations that we affiliate with. You'll know that we also affiliate with the American Baptist Church, but their numbers were not tracked um, the same way that other denominations were, so they were actually removed from this survey. But regardless, this is the Cooperative Baptist Fellowship. Um, In 2015... There were 1,800 affiliating churches with the Cooperative Baptist Fellowship, Ridgewood being one of them. In those churches, 117 of the 1,800 churches had women as lead pastors or co-pastors. That is 6.5%. At our national meeting that year, there were people that wore around buttons that said 6.5% to draw attention to. We are a denomination that claims we are supportive of women. And still, after 30 years, only 6.5% of pulpits are filled by women. Now, this year, the 2001 report The percentage went up 7.4%. Don't clap. (laughs) The affiliating churches, because of other denominations that forced CBF churches out, if they um, affirmed women in ministry, or some because they affirmed LGBTQ people in leadership, from 1,800 affiliating churches, this year's report was 1,422 churches. And remember, in 2015, there were 117 pulpits filled. In 2021, there were 105 women in pastoral leadership, either as pastor or co-pastor. 
it's tricky because if you look at the percentage, it went up. But the number of churches that claim this denomination went down, the number of women overall went down. And so think about that when there's about 50 or so, uh, at least more women ordained, but that number has gone down. It seems like female leadership could be overall leaving the church. I know that if you're looking for something fun to do on a Friday or Saturday night, you are not going to open the book of Judges. And when I handed Pat the scripture earlier this morning, I think she saw the first word and she said, how do I say this? And I said, oh, Pat, there's a lot of words in there. You just own it. And I'll tell anyone who reads scripture, you just own it how you're supposed to pronounce it. The book of Judges um, is one of our earliest books in scripture. In fact, we believe that there's a chapter in Judges that may have been one of the first um, pieces of scripture written. It's actually Judges 5, which comes after this, which is the poetic telling of Deborah's leadership, which is what happens in chapter 4, what, what Pat read. But what happens in the book of Judges pretty much in a cycle over and over again is there is a judge that God calls, that God rises to settle the disputes among one of the Israelite tribes. And this judge becomes well-known and influential, and then that judge dies. And the Israelites get mad at each other again, and, you know, there's, there's fighting and war and all that stuff. And then God raises up another judge. It's a cycle, and there's a lot of varsity words in there. So I understand this is your not go-to Friday night read. Now, a judge is not Judge Judy. A judge in the book of Judges is a ruler, a military commander even, or a settler of disputes. What Pat read for us talked about Deborah as a judge, where she met between these two places and people would come to her for her advice and how to settle disputes among the people around them or their families. And so Deborah eventually calls this man named Barak and says that um, God is calling him into this this war, this um, this violence. We we know we have a troubled history in scripture. And Barak says back to her, if, he go, if she goes, he'll go. But if she doesn't go, he's not going to go either. And that's where Pat's sass come in, comes in, that she says, okay, I'll go, but you're not going to get the glory for this. So what does that make Barak? A coward? Would it make him disobedient to God since God's calling him to this battle? Would it mean that Barak actually isn't qualified for that position? In the history of our faith, women 
have been leaders. Women have been prophetic, heroic, and necessary for survival. And still, we question if God really calls them. Judges, actually, the book of Judges, of all books, has the most references to leadership, to women in leadership, of all books in the Bible. It starts out with named women. Eventually, the names disappear, and then eventually, we see that women are no longer in leadership. I came across this explanation uh, from Dr. Dennis Olson, who's at Princeton Theological Seminary. He says this. He says, the book of Judges offers a wide spectrum of the possible experiences of women, both positive and negative. In the ancient world, as well as our own, the health and well-being of women provide an important barometer to measure the core health and values of a society or a community. The health and well-being of women provide the barometer of health. So, you may have missed it earlier, but after Deborah had told Barak that he was going into battle, and he said, are you going to come with me? And she said, okay, I'll go with you, but you're not going to get the glory. Let's remember that. That's a great line. I'm assuming it's the next morning. This is, how it, this is how it happens in my mind. I'm assuming it's the next morning and Barack's sleeping in, waiting for his latte to be made. And she says, Deborah comes in and says, up. That's how we translate it from NRSV. Or if you were to look in the message, the way that Pat read it, charge. Or if you were to read NIV, go. Or if you were to read the New Living Translation, Get ready! Mm. She seems bossy. She seems strong-willed. She seems mean. My favorite. She seems evil. Deborah had the widest influence of any judge written about in the book of Judges. She had the deepest resume. She had counseled with the most people. But she seems bossy. Part one of the report on women's life in Baptist ministry. And this number, I don't, it shouldn't surprise you. 86% of women in ministry experience obstacles to their ministry because of their gender. 
86%. Further, 59% of women in ministry said their judgment was questioned in their area of expertise. 72% of women in ministry said they had to provide more evidence of their competence than their male counterparts did. A few experiences, I'll read these out for you. One from a former children's minister, age 48. She said, while I still use my calling to further the kingdom, often through weddings, funerals, and pastoral care for those hurt by a church, I do not believe I will ever return to a church staff. The daily fight against misogyny is simply too draining. Or a female pastor, age 45. While my congregation has been supportive, during my transition from an associate pastor to senior pastor, we did lose a significant number of congregants. These members do still speak poorly about women in ministry. Another pastor, age 58. While I still identify with my Baptist roots, I decided to move towards service in another denomination where I would be invited to serve as pastor and use the gifts I was given. I miss my connection with my Baptist churches, but do not feel like there's a place for me. Now, it's important for you to know this survey was mainly taken by white Baptist women, but there still was a lot, there still were a lot of black or non-white women who answered the survey. So if we look at this in an intersectional point, a few other statistics to look at. 65%, that top line is um, anyone who is not white who answered the survey. My leadership is understood as bossy, angry, controlling, or unlikable. 65% of non-white women, 46% of white women. People make comments about my emotional state. 46% non-white women, 38% white women. My work contributions are ignored. Black women said 62% of the time that is the case. White women, 44% of the time. I hear slash overhear demeaning remarks about me or people like me. Black women, 43%. White women, 34%. It's good news and bad news, this report. A long time ago, I ran the mini marathon in Louisville. It's almost like a once upon a time story now, a long time ago. And if you've ever heard me talk about it, or if you've ever run it, mile eight slash nine, you get to thinking, why in the world did I do this? <laughs> You're tired out. That adrenaline at the beginning has started to drop. And if you're like me, both times you ran it, it was pouring down rain. 
Mile eight, nine, you start having to dig deeper. There's a woman by the name of Angela Lee Duckworth who recently asked the question, um, who is successful here and why? And she meant in any given situation. She looked at high school math students. She looked at people in their jobs. She looked at people in nonprofit sector. She said, if you are going to be successful at something, why are you successful? Are you successful? I'm sorry. Who is successful and why? And she said it didn't have to do with IQ. It didn't have to do with social intelligence. It didn't have to do with physical appearance or fitness. The word that she used to describe if people were successful or not was grit. Grit is passion and perseverance for very long-term goals. It's having stamina. This is your mile eight. This is stick with your future uh, day in and day out, not just for a week, not just for the month, but for years and working really hard to make that future a reality. Grit is living life like a marathon, not a sprint. So here's the good news. To have grit, you've got to have passion and perseverance. Now, I know about this church. I know that without a shadow of a doubt, there is passion here. And if we're talking specifically about women and leadership, I'll, I'll, I'll do that one for a second. In the history of Ridgewood, there is a passion for elevating the voices of women. In the 1980s, I believe, Joy was ordained as our first female deacon. Yes. In the early 2000s, at least how I read it in QCC minutes, we became accepting openly of LGBTQ plus people. In 2019, you called your first female pastor. But let me implore you, those are not check boxes. Justice is not a checkbox. I think as a church, we are going to be always living in mile eight to nine. And it exhausts me to think about. <laughs> and some days it's going to rain. Like when you have a global pandemic or something like that, some days it's going to rain. Those last three miles are the hardest. And let me tell you that last 0.1 miles, 13.1 miles, that's tough. But here's what I know. The passion is here. Is it your perseverance? Wouldn't it be great if the next time that report is released, those numbers went up 
because Ridgewood as a whole advocated for women in Baptist life. Not just one. I am not your checkbox. I wonder if we could plan to gather at the report that comes out in 2025 and check and see where we are. I'm going to ask you to do something um, probably not like you've done before at the end of the sermon. As you start getting into mile eight, the edges of the mini marathon start to slowly fill in with people. And sometimes they'll yell your name, but not usually because there's hundreds, if not thousands of people. And there's thousands of people running the mini marathon. I wonder if we could pretend like it's the last mile for just a moment as we prepare for this final song together. I'm wondering if we could look at each other and offer words of encouragement like we are in that last mile. You got it. Way to go. Almost there. You'll make it. I'm going to challenge you to do that. This is a marathon, not a sprint. So I'm going to ask that you stand. And in the same spirit as passing of the peace, look at the people around you and say, you got it. Way to go. Almost there. Go ahead. <laughs>